Good morning, everybody. Everybody good? Beautiful weather. Is this not perfect weather? All you people who thought winter was nice, what is wrong with you? Have you been outside today? It is glorious. Now, I know we're all just wired differently. I don't understand cold weather at all, but boy, I, I love this. Open your Bibles, if you need to, to Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 to 17. We're talking about the Ten Commandments. Now we're on the tail end of a message series entitled, What God Expects of Everyday People. And uh, I, I really have enjoyed very, very much this deep journey into the Ten Commandments with you. We've been memorizing these 17 verses, haven't we? Yes. yes. So let's give it a try. Uh, I ask you if, if you're following along with the New Living Translation, read out loud. And that will help you memorize. For one, it will help you get used to hearing your voice saying the scripture. But you're also going to help me because I'm going to try not to look, but I may peek. Uh, I got this like when nobody's around, but in front of people, you know. Actually, I have this if you don't make me. And my wife is like a rule follower. So, like, if I say Lord God when it's just supposed to be the Lord, she'll go, no, no, it's just Lord. You know, it's like... So, you know, this is what I live with you all. So, um, anyway, I, I'll get some words wrong along the way maybe, but, but, but I, I think trying to hide the word of God in my heart uh, is, is an important, important discipline. So let's do this together. Exodus chapter 20, verse 1. Then God gave the people all these instructions. I am the Lord your God who rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of your slavery. You must not have any other God but me. You must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or an image of anything in the heavens or on the earth or in the sea. You must not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. I lay the sins of the parents upon the children. The entire family is affected, even to the third and fourth generations of those who reject me. But I lavish unfailing love for a thousand generations upon all of those who love me and keep my commands. You must not misuse the name of the Lord your God. The Lord will not let you go unpunished if you misuse his name. Remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, what? <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, but the seventh day, the Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any kind of work. This includes you, your sons and your daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock, and any foreigners living among you. For in six days, the Lord God made the heavens, the earth, and the sea, and everything in them. But on the seventh day, he rested. That is why the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. Woo. Uh, honor your father and mother. Then you will live a long, full life in the land the Lord your God is giving you. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely against your neighbor. You must not covet your neighbor's house. You must not covet your neighbor's wife, male or female servants, oxen or donkey or anything else that belongs to your neighbor. Yeah, yeah, I stunk that up so bad. I'm so sorry. Uh, 
But anyway, that, that's, uh, that's the Ten Commandments. Today we're talking about that Ninth Commandment, verse 16. You must not testify falsely against your neighbor. Now, all of my life and probably all of your lives, we just simply understood this as a commandment not to lie. Not to lie. I just want to call your attention to the actual technical language of the commandment. It's really very narrowly a commandment that is forbidding lying when you are testifying in some matter of justice, like in a court of law, for example, when you're sworn to tell the truth. Remember that the Ten Commandments, they are many, many things, but make no mistake, they are the very first code of law for the people of Israel coming out of Egypt as slaves. They're still in the wilderness. They're at the foot of the mountain. They don't even have a society yet. And so the Ten Commandments is forming the basis of a a society of justice and moral order. And so this commandment is first really a commandment about, you know, trying to make sure that when you're called upon to testify, when some crime is alleged, that you will always tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So that's the first application of this commandment, but from the very beginning, we've always understood that what God requires of us is truth-telling, not just in a court of law, but in every situation regarding our neighbors. We love them enough, we respect them enough, always to tell the truth, always to give people the truth, always. But it gets complicated, does it not? Uh, so let's walk through just some, these like everyday scenarios. I just want to know what y'all think about these particular case studies. Let me know how you feel about the truth-telling or lack of which in each of these situations. Number one, Otis and Hazel are getting dressed to go out for supper. Hazel lifts the tail of her blouse and turns in front of the mirror. Do these slacks make my behind look big? She asks her husband. Otis replies truthfully. Y'all know where this goes, right? Right there. Otis replies truthfully, it ain't the slacks, your behind is big. <laughs> Funeral arrangements for Otis will be uh, announced later. Uh, what do y'all think? Otis told the truth, probably. He told the truth, right? Should he have? It gets complicated. Depends on whether or not Hazel is holding the iron, I, I suppose. Number two, Sandy has thrown a party for some of her friends from school and work. One of Sandy's coworkers brings her boyfriend, Pete, a crude guy who arrives drunk, talks loudly, grinds pizza into the rug, and insults nearly everyone. His presence is a nightmare. As the party breaks up, he finally leaves, and Sandy chimes, Nice to meet you, Pete. I hope we can do this again sometime soon. What do y'all think? That was really polite. Yeah, not, not truthful. Yeah, it gets complicated. Tammy is a bank teller doing her job on a busy Friday afternoon. Suddenly, a man with a gun takes everyone in the back hostage and threatens to kill them all. Tammy speaks calmly to the armed man and says, you don't want to do this. Nobody has to get hurt. Tammy knows already that the bank is surrounded by police officers intent on arresting the man, but she lies and says, if you will simply lay down your gun and surrender, you'll be allowed to go free. What do you think? Y'all aren't going to talk to me today, are you? Y'all, y'all aren't going to say anything. 
for. On a road trip, the Walsh family stops off at Cracker Barrel, where six-year-old Riley talks her daddy into buying her a toy harmonica. The little girl is thrilled with her musical toy. She plays it loudly and unmusically, mile after mile. Three terrible hours later, the family stops for gas. Mom takes Riley to potty, and Daddy pitches the harmonica into the trash can beside the gas pump. Back on the road, when Riley mentions sadly that harmonica is gone, her father suggests that the girl may have left it in the restroom back at the gas station. What do you think? Yeah, that's basically a true story, only it was a ukulele, all right? Number five, Arthur is an elderly man prone to depression since his wife died. Complaining of lower abdominal pain, Arthur asks his daughter, Sharon, to take him to the doctor. After running a series of tests, the doctor concludes that Arthur has an advanced and terminal form of cancer with only a few months to live. In private conversation, the doctor reveals to Sharon the facts about her father's terminal state. We can't tell daddy that he's going to die, Sharon tells the doctor. He would only give up and not enjoy the time he has left. What do you think? See, it gets hard, doesn't it? I would think most of us in this room, we really do think of ourselves as honest people. And we understand that we are forbidden ever, ever to tell a lie. And yet, sometimes the truth is so difficult to speak and to hear, and the lie just becomes so much easier. It, it's difficult. But let's talk about this commandment and exactly, exactly what it forbids and requires. Plainly, I think you all understand, the ninth commandment tells you never to lie. Never to lie. Now, liars and, uh, and dishonesty itself can take so many different forms so that many of us are very, very capable of of being dishonest while at the same time convincing ourselves that we haven't told any lies. You know, for example, when it tells us not to lie, sometimes we can lie in what we don't say. You know, so I borrow your lawnmower, I break the blade, but when I bring it back, I just park it in your garage and I sneak off and then just knowing that you'll find it and you'll think you broke it. You understand? I didn't technically lie, but lying always involves this intent to deceive. And if your intention is to deceive someone, then understand, you are not on the side of truth, and clearly you are living a life in, uh, in contradiction of what the ninth commandment tells us to do. We are never, ever to lie. We're never supposed to intentionally deceive anyone else. It doesn't matter who. It doesn't matter how well you know them. It doesn't matter whether or not they know they're being lied to. The ninth commandment tells us never, ever to lie. And if I really need to say this, a lie is a lie. A lie is a lie. You know, for example, we have this category that we call what? White lies. I told a little white lie. Now, what do I mean by that? What do we, if I say I had to tell a little white lie, you understand probably I was in a social situation where it was very awkward or difficult. And so just by masking the truth slightly, or maybe less than slightly, maybe masking the truth a lot, but one way or the other, you understand, I had to somehow mask the truth in order to make that social situation go better. But the question becomes, go better for whom? 
I'm probably making myself feel better. I am somehow comforting myself in my own awkwardness or discomfort. But it's hard to argue that in any real situation, a lie is better than the truth for the person that you're giving the lie to. A a, a lie is a lie. Like most of our behavior and most of our relationships to the other commandments, we have a horrible tendency to excuse what we do, the the kinds of lies we tell, the kinds of situations where we go, I I, I don't know, I I just gave you five examples, and most of you, when I got to the daddy with the harmonica, you went all the way over to the dark side. We just do. We recognize that there's situations where, you know, it doesn't make it right, but you feel like, you know, know, in that situation, I probably just have to tell a white lie. I just want to say it again. A a lie is a lie. And, And I fully believe that Jesus, whom we follow, who says, I am the way, the truth. I mean, Jesus calls himself the truth. Very difficult to tell ourselves that we're following him while we are not completely committed to the truth in in, in every single kind of situation. So the ninth commandment forbids lying of all kinds in all situations. Thou shalt not lie. You must not. But as I've been saying, because we're followers of Jesus, because we want to not just follow the letter of the law, but follow the living Christ, the, the living word of God, the fulfillment of the law, then then we have to ask ourselves, what does this commandment actually require of us? It's not so much what does it tell us not to do, but what does it require us actually to do? And I would say this, the ninth commandment requires you to speak truthfully, always truthfully. If it comes out of your mouth, it must be true. You agree with that? Y'all are not talking to me today. The ninth commandment requires you to speak truthfully. Now, here's the thing. When it is appropriate to speak at all. This is what never crossed some of our minds. You don't always have to talk. You just don't. The ninth commandment requires you to speak truthfully, but honestly, a lot of the time, silence is an option. It's really hard to lie when you're not talking. Now, I did say sometimes you can deceive somebody by leaving out the truth, and I'm not talking about that. I'm just saying you don't always have to talk. You just don't. Or in situations where you must speak, every word that comes out of your mouth must be the truth. However, I don't have to always speak Every true thing I could possibly say, for example, in this situation, I am required to preach and tell the truth. I am not required to tell you that I think you may be putting on some weight. You understand what I mean? Sometimes we just talk and and we blab and we, we voice our opinions and we say things and you say, well, you know, I know the truth hurts, but you know, I'm not so sure about that hairdo of yours. You know, I don't have to speak everything that I'm thinking, everything that might be true. When it is appropriate to speak at all in those situations, I'm required to speak truthfully. Does that make sense? But I'm not always required to speak, and it's not always appropriate to speak. And when silence is an option, I strongly encourage it. Just don't say anything at all. Most of the time, just don't say anything at all. But when it begins to come out of your mouth, it must be true. It it better be true. Here's the other thing. Not every truth is actually yours to tell. 
There are some very, very true things. They're just not mine to tell. And you need to know the difference. Sometimes the information or the story that you have that belongs to somebody else, that belongs to somebody else. It's not yours to tell. So, again, silence is an option. Keep your mouth closed. Not every truth is yours to tell. <laughs> Warren, the best example of this was one day in staff meeting. Warren, I love you. This was a great moment for Warren Weeks. We were all in staff. This was several years ago when Nicole was just pregnant with George, but nobody knew. Like, nobody knew. Because Nicole and Matt hadn't told anybody, but... Nicole is supervised on the staff by Warren. So in, in, a, in a moment between Nicole and Warren, Nicole had told Warren that they were expecting. But he's the only one who knew. So one day in staff being just out of the blue, Warren blurts out something about after Nicole has her baby. And we're all like, <laughs> what? What? Nicole, can, you know, congratulations. Nicole's going to have a, woo! You know, Nicole's going to have a baby. And Nicole's face went white. And Warren's just sitting there, you know, because, you know, he said it. He's just sitting there. And, and it's like, you know, wow, that's amazing, Nicole. You know, how far along are you? You know, congratulations. How, how, many people have you, how many people have you told? Nicole said, well, actually, we hadn't told anybody yet. I told Warren. <laughs> so now we all just look at Warren like, like, why did you blurt that out? What, why did you tell Nicole's news? I mean, now, like, everything's like on Warren, and Warren just looks back at us, and Warren said, nobody tells me anything. <laughs> nobody, Warren, Warren said this, Warren said, nobody tells me anything. I'm always the last one to know, so I just figured if I knew, everybody had to know. <laughs> yeah, so uh, let, let me see. Warren Weeks is the most trustworthy man I know. If I was pregnant, I wouldn't tell him, but, <laughs> but he is the most trustworthy man I know. But you know how hard it is sometimes when you know something, you have, you have somebody else's information, somebody else's story, somebody else's truth, but it still belongs to them. As a pastor, I am in situations on a nearly daily basis where somebody is telling me something very, very important that belongs to them. I have to recognize that that still belongs to them. That's their story, not mine. I, I can't step up on Sunday and turn that into a sermon illustration. I, I, I just can't. It's their story. It's their information. And you and I, we have to be trustworthy with what belongs to other people. And not every truth is yours to tell. Not every story is yours to tell. Just recognize, truth-telling does not require you to tell everything that's true and, and everything that you know and everything that belongs to everybody else. You know, understand, there are very, very strict boundaries placed around the way we use our words in the Christian life. James says if anybody can be faultless, if you can be perfect in the way you speak, you'd be perfect all the way around. Interesting. If we could control our tongue, James says. So the ninth commandment puts his finger right on what for many of us is, is a very, very weak trigger point. Morally speaking, it is very, very difficult for us to be responsible with the truth. Why does the truth matter so much? I'll give you two reasons. Number one, speak the truth for the sake of the truth. I mean, truth just matters, and, and, and truth is important. And, and I remind you, as I've already said, Jesus himself says, I am the way, I am the truth, 
I, I am the life. I mean, Jesus speaks words of truth. He embodies the truth. He himself is truth. And we follow him. And so we are people who love truth. We just love truth. We are not people of the lie. Jesus says the devil was a liar, the father of lies. And so recognize if you find yourself having a very, very difficult uh, a, a difficult time staying in line with the truth, that says something very profoundly important about your spiritual life, about your heart. The devil is the father of lies. Jesus himself is the truth. So speak the truth just for the sake of truth. You just want to be on the side of truth. You, you want to be honest. I think one of the most amazing verses is from the book of Proverbs. It's chapter 23, verse 23. In the Hebrew, it's a very, very short, short verse. It's only about four words. But this is a translation. Buy the truth, do not sell it. The Hebrew says, buy truth, don't sell. Buy truth, don't sell. What does this even mean? Buy the truth and do not sell it. It's so interesting. I, I would say it this way. Buy the truth at any price and do not sell it at any cost. We're just saying, Proverbs is saying that truth is very, very valuable. It's very valuable. And whatever it takes, you want truth. You want to be told the truth, don't you? I mean, honestly, some of you have been in a situation where you have been hurt by another person's dishonesty. They lied to you. They lied to you. And they may have lived a lie with you for some period of time. And you know how difficult that is. Now, all the people in your life who told you a white lie and they sort of walked around the truth and they let you walk around looking like a fool, you know how violated that feels. You understand, if you've ever been on the side where you were not given the truth, that is a particular kind of, of, of harm, a particular kind of woundedness. We all want the truth. We want to be told the truth. And so Proverbs says, understand the value of it. And no matter what it takes, you be on the side of truth. You acquire truth. Buy the truth, whatever the cost. And do not sell it no matter the price. In other words, you don't trade with truth. You don't bend truth. You don't compromise with truth. You know, I heard about a mama that like if the phone would ring and she didn't want to take the call, she would step out on the porch so that her daughter could truthfully say, mama's outside. Is mama outside? Mm, technically. Is mama an honest person? Mm, technically not. It's like the pastor I knew of who had a boat and named his boat Visitation. You know Why? So when people called the church office and said, where's the pastor? She could say, oh, he's out on visitation. <laughs> Is it true? Technically. Is he honest? Not at all. Understand? Buy the truth. Do not sell it. You do not want to be the person who gets in the habit of bending the truth. You don't want to be the person that can't be relied upon to tell people the truth. Now, we've all probably got in our life somebody who will always tell you the truth. And sometimes, you know, don't ask Mamma because Mamma's just going to tell you what she thinks. But at the same time, you know where you stand with Mamma. You can always get along with people who will tell you the truth. Now, sometimes the truth is horrifying. Sometimes the truth hurts. But I'm telling you, I would much rather always be with people that I can trust to tell me the truth. Because if I can't trust you to tell me the truth, I don't even know if we're friends. I mean, I don't know anything. And that's the other thing. When you yourself bend the truth and play games with the truth, and when you're a 
person that can't be relied upon to tell the truth, you're going to go through your whole life not trusting anybody because you just assume that everybody is as dishonest as you are. It's really difficult to trust people when you yourself aren't trustworthy with the truth. A man walked into a lawyer's office and he said, listen, I'm about to enter into a business deal with a man that I know can never be honest. So I want you to write me an airtight contract. I want a contract that, that is so perfect, worded so technically, that there is no way in the world that this man can in any way deceive me. The very wise attorney said, sir, that is impossible. There are no words in the English language to compensate for a person who has an intent to deceive you. Understand, this is the value of truth here. Because if we're not dealing with truth, there really aren't any words in there. There's just no basis upon which to have relationship. There's no basis on which to have a society. The truth is very, very important. So we tell the truth just for the sake of the truth, because we're believers, because we worship Jesus who himself is the truth, and because in life there's nearly nothing as important and as valuable as the truth. And the last thing, speak the truth for the sake of others. Notice what the scripture says. Again, right there in verse 16, you must not testify falsely against your neighbor. It's that word against that I think is really, really important. Now, in a very, very true and theological sense, anytime I sin, I sin against God. You know, in the Psalms, when David is confessing his sin, he says to God, against you and you only have I sinned. Now, if you know anything about David and his sin, I mean, he hurt a lot of people in his sinning. But ultimately, it is God whom we offend. It is God's law that we break. It is God to whom we answer. So David says, Lord, it is you and against you only that I have sinned. I think we understand the very important theological sense in which what David says is true. But there's also the sort of inescapable truth of verse 16. You must not testify falsely against your neighbor. The sin may be against God. You will answer to God. The guilt that you will incur is going to be guilt that you have in your relationship before God. But when you lie to people, when you're dishonest with people, that does real harm. You hurt people. Again, in your life, have you ever been really hurt by a person who just could not tell you the truth? I mean, some of you in marriage have found yourself joined together with a person who was not capable of simply telling you the truth. Have you ever known somebody that will lie to you? I mean, they'll tell you a lie when it would have been just as easy to tell you the truth. Have you ever known that person? If we're honest, some of us have become that person for whatever reason, trying to make yourself look better, trying to somehow excuse your own behavior, trying to make people like you or love you, or trying to take advantage of others to get ahead. One way or the other, you have become a person who plays a little bit too loosely with the truth. The ninth commandment reminds you that your lying, your dishonesty is, is truly a breaking of God's own law, but 
but it's against your neighbor. It's against your friend. It's, it's, it's against others. And as followers of Jesus, we are called to love people. We are called always to show kindness and mercy and goodness. And I'm telling you, you cannot follow Jesus who is the truth and at the same time lie to people. Lie to those at work. Lie to those at school. You cannot follow Jesus who is the truth while at the very same time living a lie. Here's what I love. Ephesians chapter 4 verses 14 to 15. Now this is a larger portion of Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus where he's talking about false teachers. But he comes out of this very, very important Christian principle. And this is where I want us to, to, to put our tent right here today. Notice what he says. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like the truth. Lies so clever they sound like the truth. Man, yeah. Instead, okay, we're not going to do this. Instead, we're going to do this. You ready? This is what we're going to do. We will speak the truth, say it, in love. We will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ. Now, surely by now you know that this last part, that is the purpose of your life, my life too. This is why Jesus saved me. This is why I have the Holy Spirit. This is why I try to stay in the Word every day. This is why I pray. This is what God is doing in my life in every single situation. He's trying to grow me in every way so that I'll be more and more like Jesus. And part of that, when it comes to your mouth, is that you will speak the truth in love. Speak the truth in love. Now, there are some people who speak the truth, but not in love. You've probably known those people. Like I said, your mama who will tell you the truth, but she won't be nice about it. You know, when Casey was pregnant with Wade, and, and by pregnant, I mean like Casey, I mean, it's all over now, so we can see it. I mean, she was big as a house. The case was big as a house, and she was pregnant in July, and it was the hottest July in history, and she was hot, and she was huge, and she was in a really bad mood, and we were going to visit my grandma Virgie, and my grandma Virgie is one of the sweetest ladies in the world, but I know, I know her, and I know if it goes through her head, it'll come out of her mouth, and I know what my grandmother says to every pregnant woman. For some reason, my grandma thought it was just funny to say, well, Casey's a fatty. I said, Casey, you're going to walk in the house, and you know, grandma's going to say that you're a fatty, and she don't mean it, you know. She, she, she don't mean it, you know. It was truth, but, you know, it's, 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 it's this part. As I say, you don't have to say anybody about somebody's weight. I don't think there's any situation unless you're like at the circus working in that guess their weight, and then they paid you a quarter. They get what they pay for, but... But I don't think there's any situation where you have to comment on somebody's appearance. You don't have to point out all the things you don't like. You don't have to walk out of church, you know, talking about what you didn't like. I mean, we don't have to do that. So first off, we don't have to just talk all the time. We are obligated always to speak the truth when it's appropriate to speak at all. But even when we do, our paramount obligation is to speak it in love. In other words, whatever truth I have to tell you, at the other end of that, I want you to feel like you've been loved. I want you to feel like somebody has cared for you, that they have given you the truth that, that you need. I, I don't know how to say it any, any clearer. As, as my friends, and I consider all of you my friends, I, I love all of you, I beg you to do this for me. 
To be in a situation where nobody tells you the truth, that, that's, that's just a horrible kind of place to live. They say that leaders, the higher they go in any organization or, or in our country, when you get to the very top of leadership in the United States, you get surrounded by people who will no longer tell you the truth because they want to just be close to power, right? But you end up in a situation where everybody just echoes what they think you want to hear. And, and that is a very, very brutal and dark sort of hell, I think, where you live in a place where you never get to hear the truth. It may be nice to always just hear what you want, but I'm begging you, I don't want that, and I don't think you want that either. You know, there are times I step in the pulpit, and I know that I've got to speak a really hard word, and it's going to be difficult to hear, but I pray that I always speak the truth in love to you, and I ask you to do the same thing for me. Don't withhold something that you feel like I need to know. Whether it's personal or whether it's professional, something about my preaching, something about myself, I need the truth. You need the truth. We're not expected to live without truth. And in relationships, truth is currency. Buy the truth. Don't sell it. I mean, we want to hold the truth together, and we want to be honest together, and we want to be reliable and trustworthy with the truth. So we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ. I want you to make this your aim. I want you in this coming week to ask the Holy Spirit to make you very, very aware of every word that comes out of your mouth. And before you speak it, make sure it's true. And if it's true, make sure you're about to speak it in love. If you cannot speak in love, then close your mouth. Understand? But I promise you, If you just learn to make this a discipline, slow down, think before you speak, pray before you speak. Sometimes you know you got to go and and speak a very difficult truth to somebody. Ask the Lord to season your words with salt. Ask the Lord to give you wisdom. Ask the Lord to give you love so that when you speak this hard truth, someone will know that they've been loved, that they've been healed, that they've been built up because that's what truth does. So the ninth commandment is as simple as commandments get. Thou shalt not lie. You must not testify falsely against your neighbor. We're not going to lie because we follow Jesus, who is the truth. Pray with me. Lord, maybe it's harder for those of us who talk so much. The more words we use, the more opinions we voice, the more advice we give, the more uh, criticisms and assessments we make, the more likely it is, Lord, that we begin to bend the truth, play games with the truth, tell things in such a way that make us look better, tell things in such a way, Lord, that make us seem funnier, Sometimes, Lord, we leave out all the true parts. Sometimes, Lord, we say true things from very, very unloving hearts, very, very harsh words. We tell ourselves it's the truth and it hurts, Lord, but there's something wrong, Lord, with a heart that finds some pleasure in hurting another person. Lord, God, help us to love you. Help us to love each other. Help us to love the truth. 
Help us to love it in every situation of life. Lord, help us to, in every single situation, even when the truth itself is difficult to find or difficult to speak, Lord, help us to buy the truth, whatever the cost. To continue, Lord, to to base our relationships, to anchor our hearts, to make sure that what comes out of our mouth is always true. Lord, some of us have found it very, very easy to deceive in business, in, in relationships with neighbors, in relationships with family. Lord God, I pray that before the sun goes down today, we will return and confess our lies and give people the truth that they deserve to hear. Lord God, in every way, help us, Lord, to turn away from lies and to speak the truth in love and to grow more and more and more in every way like Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen.